Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John, and you're at Eureka Street Crypto Hub broadcasting. I said hub. I haven't said hub in a long time. That's what I used to call it. It's just Eureka Street Crypto, Eureka Street Crypto Podcast. Anyway, broadcasting live at 7.15 in the morning uh, from Leander, Texas, just a suburb of Austin, Texas. And uh, it's what is what day is it today? February 4th, 2022. And this is episode number 404. So a lot of fours in today. February 4th, episode 404, 2022. And this is my video blog, my morning brain dump video blog, me documenting my journey through the crypto space and just basically making it public. I've learned a lot on this journey. Um, I've been doing this since October 24th, 2020, and it has been uh, really interesting, to say the least. Um, I've learned about a lot of cool projects, met a lot of cool people. Um, I've made some terrible predictions. <laughs> uh, this is not financial advice. I will tell you that first off. Um, so, yeah, if you've come to this um, show thinking that I'm here to teach you something or some kind of instructional or tutorial, or that I'll actually get to the point at some time, uh, you're on the wrong, uh, channel. So you might want to go ahead and just click away, you know? So uh, I've had some people saying, yeah, I thought this was about like getting a job on Decentraland or something. The guy will never get to the point. Yeah. Well, you know, this is not that type of show, man. I'm not here to give you bullet points and educational lessons. So, yeah, it is what it is. This is, like I said, my morning video blog. Um, so, anyway, uh, I will get to a point, and I have a, a subject I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the trusted setup um, and what makes that the difference between ZK Snarks and ZK Starks today. But I'll get there eventually. Um, but yeah, I got my rambling to do and my opinions I have to, to spout. So uh, let's take a quick look at the old coin gecko and see what we have going on today in the market. Looks like everything's kind of in the green. Um, Bitcoin's at 37,987. Um, see, yeah, it's funny because things spike up and the bull market happens for a while and everybody gets used to these prices way up in the 50,000s. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Um, and then it drops down to something like 36,000. Everybody's freaking out, you know, and it's, and then it comes back up to 37 or 38, maybe 39 and 40,000. And then everybody's suddenly once again, thinking they're rich. And it's like, you know, it's, it's like the luxury that they had during the bull market gets taken away from them. And they so easily forget, you know, that, uh, one day they were paupers. So they learned to appreciate 39 and 40,000 levels again. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Ethereum up 17.8% in the past seven days to 2,840. Um, let's see. Uh, Tether and Binance coin. Binance coin at 378.23. Tether's a stable coin. So is USDC right below Binance. Cardano, $1.06. Solana uh, up 16.3% to $104.20. Uh, XRP down to 61 cents. Um, it actually is up 2.4% in the past 24 hours. Polkadot, $19 is in 42 cents. I need to do a video about Polkadot at some point and talk about it. Um, another layer one solution, you know. Uh, Terra, $50.97. The Doge um, at $0.13, cents, up 2.4%. Then we have Avalanche at number 12, uh, 71.31, up 10% in the past seven days. I do have some holdings in Avalanche. Um, 
Polygon, four, up 4.8% 4 in the past 24 hours. Crypto.com, I have both Polygon and Crypto.com. Uh, Crypto.com is up 3.7%. Uh, let's go down here, take a look at Cosmos, up 9.8%. Um, we have Chainlink, 5.1% in the past 24 hours to 1650. Um, and what else do we have here that could be of any interest? Phantoms up 4.5%. Um, it's interesting because I, I did read on January 21st that uh, Danny Sesta, who I did the episode about yesterday, that's in all this hot water for partnering up with the old Quadriga guy, Michael Patron, uh, Zero X Sifu. But he's also partnering up with Andre Cronje uh, to build an, an automated market maker on Phantom blockchain. So that's pretty interesting, you know. Uh, Danny Sesta, I think, is a smart dude. He's in some hot water over all this stuff with the Wonderland time and the Ohm forks and stuff like that um, and the abracadabra.money. But then you see him partnering up with a guy like Andre Cronhey, you know, who has a sterling reputation uh, as being this mad scientist in the blockchain world. And uh, yeah, man, um, it's it's really interesting to see that they're creating this automated market maker on Phantom. So let's let's see how that plays out. Um, I, it gives me confidence in Danny Sesta that he's partnering with somebody like Andre Cronhey because Andre Cronhey's freaking genius. Um, all right, so let's see here. And Andre Cronhey, if you don't know, um, invented urine finance and basically like created invented a lot of the things necessary for for decentralized finance um yeah so um and he got the whole DeFi summer started back in 2020 um okay so let's see decentraland's up 16.9 percent um even ethereum classic is up 16.0 16 oh, um i need to to do a little dive in on ethereum classic you know you have this like cult following of people that really love ethereum classic and i'll just i'll explain the ethereum classic versus ethereum but if ethereum had never forked during a major big hack that happened uh, a while back a long time ago um and ethereum would be ethereum classic and there would be no ethereum classic it'd just be ethereum um so yeah um Anyway, let's see. Let's, let's roll down the, the list here. Um, I wanted to get to um, one that always seems to go inverse to the market um, for me, and, and that's Quant Network. And I have some Quant that I bought a long time ago because I did a video on Quant, so I kind of just aped into some Quant. And I was one of those guys that the, you know that discovers altcoins and just buys everything, you know, like with what, you know, even just a few dollars here and there with what little money I have. Um, but you know, I, I, now I have all these bags, you know, these stashes of all these weird little coins and, um, a lot of them have died, you know, but because I'm so curious and I do all these videos talking about all this stuff, I'll buy a little bit of it, you know? Uh, well, I bought some quant back when it was like worth like maybe, I don't know, like, uh, I guess $10 a token or something like that. Um, not even, I think, I think it was under $10. Uh, but now each token is worth 139.07. Um, it's up 50.2% in the past seven days. I bought this maybe a year ago, over a year ago. Yeah, something like that. It was when I first started making these videos. But yeah, Quant has jumped up, back up, 
And uh, it's because they actually did the release of their overledger. And so it's Quant's kind of like a banker's token, you know, and they want all the banks and, you know, financial institutions to be able to talk to each other. So it's like interoperability for the bankers, you know. Um, if you think of like uh, uh, Cosmos Hub and stuff like that and the IBC, the inter something, inter enter something connection blockchain protocol thing i can't remember what it stands for um but uh yeah um oh quant network is kind of like that but for the banking industry he, this says here today we launched a mile I, I and of course i learned this on linkedin you know like the whole like you know suit and tie you know networking professional website you know it, quant is like that you know it's not some like some hipster trendy little dinky nft project that you know has a, a kid and you know i don't know whatever whatever the zoomers wear now <laughs> the millennials it was the tight pants and the the black corner room glasses and the the tattoo the tattoo sleeves i don't even know what the zoomers are doing i'm old man i'm gen x so you know but anyway i i learned about this on on linkedin says, and this was, uh, I guess, less than 24 hours ago. It says, today we launched a milestone release of Overledger, the world's leading bl blockchain gateway, providing interoperability between blockchains with a single API. This new version 2.1.7 makes QRC20 smart contract creation easy. So I guess they have like kind of an ERC20 style smart contract creation, but it's they call it QRC. Um, you can deploy enterprise-grade smart money and perform basic payment operations without specialist programming skills or blockchain language. So it's WYSIWYG. Um, these smart contracts can then be deployed to the Ethereum Ropston network directly on the user interface. Um, our revolutionary payment tools have the potential to move money with greater efficiency across borders, evolving the world of finance to what the future needs today. And they take you to this article over here on their Quant Network site. I really don't feel like digging into Quant Network today, but... Um, yeah, you know, banks have a lot. They, they want to get into blockchain and they have a lot of different uh, ledgers, uh, per permissioned and permissionless. And this is a, a way for all of them to be able to talk to each other no matter what. So Quant Overledger is the world's leading blockchain gateway, providing interoperability between blockchains with a single API. An API is just the connection between the, the world and the internet with a database. With Overledger 2.1.7, customers can create easy smart contracts or payments using tokenized money within our API. Um, Overledger is an important milestone. Oh, let me get this frame all set up so people on the visual side of things can see um, people listening. We'll just, we'll just get my amazing audio. Um, so, but uh, man, this is a wide screen that they have for this website. Um, now, uh, let me just resize it. Oh my God. All right. Um, so Overledger natively supports 12 programming language. So no additional programming or blockchain is required. Furthermore, QRC smart contracts can be deployed straight to the Ethereum Robston testnet directly by the UI. Uh, the new smart contract functionality in Overledger is an important milestone. Uh, QRC smart contracts can act as programmable money across an interoperable blockchain payment system. This is the first phase in developing new digital payment instruments that move money more efficiently domestically across borders, evolving the world of finance to what the future needs today. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's Quant Network. That's what they're doing. Uh, so they just finally released their big old, you know, thing you know um so anyway let's go back um 
I wanted to talk a little bit about like the, some of the difference between snarks and starks. And I, I read this thread about the Cairo programming language. Um, and I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so in order to understand wh what Cairo programming language is, you have to understand what Starks is. And then in order, sometimes in a way to understand what Starks is, you have to have a basic knowledge of ZK snarks and uh, roll-ups and stuff like that. And I know Ethereum and Layer 2 are all about the roll-ups right now. And roll-ups are basically a scaling um, a solution on Ethereum because Ethereum costs a lot of gas uh, to do the transactions. And it's not very scalable right now. So people have created these layer two scaling solutions uh, to be able to scale up Ethereum. Um, and uh, so far so good, I think. Um, they've got a lot of work to do and there's a lot of development happening, but uh, they've created these layer two solutions. One of the ZK Snarks and another one um, now is ZK Starks. And I'm really fascinated by the difference between these two and stuff like that. But ZK Snarks is the, the first one, and um, it is uh, written in Solidity, which is the language of uh, the programming language for Ethereum smart contracts. Now, uh, there are, if I'm speaking, I try to speak and make language clear for everybody. And nobody that's like super into, uh, is like a developer and is a, you know, a veteran in the crypto space would actually listen to me anyway, you know? So uh, I, I, I try to explain all this for the total noob. Okay, so um, uh, the blockchain has a protocol language and it has a scripting language. Okay, so the protocol language is like to build the house, you know, to build the structure that everything is working in. Uh, Ethereum, I think, uses uh, C++, I think, or Go, or something like that. A blockchain uses, not blockchain, Bitcoin uses C++. And that is the whole frame of the house. You know, that's the walls, the ceiling, the, the foundation, and everything like that. Um, the scripting language, um, which Bitcoin does not have because Bitcoin is just used for transactions and that's it. So it's just basically this structure, this kind of this concrete structure um, and that provides shelter and that's it. Uh, where scripting languages, um, they have they offer smart contracts and that's what's made Ethereum stand out from Bitcoin originally. Even though Bitcoin um, had a lot of projects that were that were adding smart contracts to it, like colored coins and master coin and stuff like that. Um, you know, we can go way down that rabbit hole of Bitcoin history, and a lot of people are trying to bring back a lot of that smart contract functionality to Bitcoin. But for this purposes, Bitcoin does not have smart contracts. Ethereum, the whole premise behind Ethereum is smart contracts. And what is a smart contract? It is something that allows you. Um, to program some kind of decision tree or something that happens. Yeah, so uh, like for instance, when so-and-so does uh, X, then Y will happen and it will automatically be triggered. Like for instance, you have a community that is voting on something and everybody votes on something. And if that, that um, bill passes, then programmatically something automatically happens. It doesn't require a human to turn it off and on. So that's a smart contract. And Ethereum added that on top of it, uh, on top of all this stuff. So it's not just about transactions. Um, so uh, <clears throat> that is a smart contract. And uh, where was, oh yeah, so those things, uh, so you have Ethereum as a whole written in languages like C++ and Go and stuff like that. 
Uh, and those are our hardcore programming languages. And then you have Solidity, which is the scripting language. And if you think in, in terms of web technology, uh, it'd be like JavaScript or something. Um, and and uh, um, so that is what builds those smart contracts on a house. That would be like the shingles, the paint, um, the saloon doors in the kitchen. You know, I always wanted saloon doors. My wife wouldn't let me have saloon doors, but those types of things, you know? And uh, so Solidity uh, is the language that Ethereum uses, the Ethereum virtual machine uses for um, smart contracts. Well, and for rollups. And that is the scaling solution for ZK Snarks. It uses Solidity programming language in the Ethereum virtual machine. All right, so now there's a new rollup solution um, that scales a lot better than even ZK Snarks. So that would be uh, ZK Starks, and that uses the Cairo language. And so um, Cairo is another scripting language. Um, I guess uh, I don't know how similar it is to Solidity or not because I don't code um, either one. Um, I've played around with Solidity, but I've never um, uh, really gone super deep in it. I've done a transaction manually using Solidity in a Solidity development environment from a tutorial I followed. That's about it. Um, but uh, so ZK Snarks rollups are built using Solidity. ZK Starks are they they're built using the language called Cairo, which is a fairly new language. So there's not a whole lot of documentation on it, but uh, apparently it is super scalable in contrast to ZK Snarks. Um, so let's read a little bit about Cairo. Why are programming languages like Cairo from Starkware Limited important for modular blockchains? So um, if you've read anything, if you've followed Bankless, if you followed my podcast, I've been talking a lot about the differences between monolithic and modular blockchains. And uh, um, yeah, I can go on a whole tangent about that, and I'm going to try not to. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> Blockchains are moving and they're separating out their functions and creating they're making themselves modular rather than everything done on on one blockchain. All right. So Cairo seems to be a better language for that. Anyway, so let's look at this thread here. Why are programming languages like Cairo from Starkware important for modular blockchains? Well, it says here, Solidity is a great language and, the, and one that was custom built for smart contract development, but it's tailor-made for the Ethereum virtual machine, right? Um, so that means it has a lot of, Solidity has a lot of great things. Basic state machine functions, gas management, standardization of contracts, and composition, meaning contracts can talk to each other easily. However, being... Uh, by being purpose-built for the Ethereum virtual machine, here are some quirks that can't be worked around. Solidity can compile. Uh, there are some quirks that can't be worked around. All right, so Solidity can compile better into Snarks than to Starks. If we want to truly unlock the power that Starks provide, we need to build on top of this base layer. So welcome to Cairo. All right, so uh, ZK Rollups. Um, built on top of the state layer with a new term called provable computing. All right. So while you could uh, transpile Solidity to Cairo, it's better to use a purpose-built language that skips Solidity's quirks. So Solidity was made for Ethereum. Um, Cairo is not made just for Ethereum. It's made for a lot of different purposes. But Solidity has these weird little quirks in it. Um, think about this. Think about like... Um, uh, a downtown uh, that went through, um, like it started off 
when people had horses, right? So it wasn't built for an automobile. And then as people progressed and things changed, it still maintained that structure, but people built weird stuff around so cars could navigate around these buildings that were originally made for horse traffic, right? So that's kind of how a lot of program quirks happen. They are built when things were done one way and then things changed and then they have to readjust and figure out a new way of doing things. And then anything built after that, um, it, if so, if you start a clean slate after all those technological changes, you can build things from the ground up in a new way. And that's kind of what Starkware is doing because it's not being built to just the Ethereum virtual machine. It's being built for a lot of different things. Anyway, uh, Starks are more scalable than the Ethereum virtual machine, and we need a language that can scale alongside it. Along with scaling more efficiently, it allows access to Stark exclusive primitives. Okay, this means that developers previously constrained by gas and solidity limitations can build anything using Cairo. ZK rollups are, are the key are a key piece of the end game, and languages like Cairo are vital in increasing scalability. Okay, so uh, here's the Lindy effect. That so the solidity has the Lindy effect working for it. Uh, and the Lindy effect is states that the, hold on, let me zoom this up so you can see. Um, <clears throat> the hard to overcome case to be made for solidity is, uh, hold on, it, it is security standards developed from seven years, $20 billion hacked, um, yeah, developer experience and composability is also key. So um, Solidity does have the Lindy effect working for it. And so what is the Lindy effect? You'll see a lot of, a lot of this stuff thrown around. Um, so it's the life, so you, it's the life expectancy um, versus the time it's been around. And this is a graph. So the Lindy effect states that the future life expectancy of certain non-perishable things like a technology or an idea is proportional to the current age. So basically, the longer something has been around, the chances are longer it will survive. You know, so yeah, of course, you know, the it's had time to develop. However, you know, you can find some things that's been around a long time and its survival chances kind of go downhill because they are adjusting also. So I would argue against the Lindy effect in that case. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's just just um what why programming the programming language Cairo is 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 um uh unique and and good for star for for modular blockchains uh rather than solidity i just thought that was a cool thread um and it begs the question though the difference between zk snarks and zk starks and uh they both are layer two scaling solutions um they both um uh, are roll-ups and uh you know trying to 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 have as cheap as gas and then scale up the current um, smart contract environment as much as possible. Um, and the one main difference between them, those two, is the trusted setup. Um, so what the hell is a trusted setup? So I went digging around trying to figure out what a trusted setup is. And uh, uh, apparently, in order to do zero knowledge proofs, you have to do what's called a trusted setup ceremony. Um, so, all right, so let's go back and rewind just a little bit and take a look at what a zero knowledge proof is. All right, so, um, okay, so uh, there's this good article right here, and I'm gonna link all these articles in the video description. It says, what are zero knowledge proofs? Complete beginner's guide, it's on Blockonomy. Um, 
Okay, so both zero both ZK snarks and ZK Starks are zero knowledge proofs. All right. Okay. So um uh, the use of zero knowledge proofs across a decentralized public network where value transferred is a groundbreaking advancement. The ability to completely anonymize network transactions over a public network is an incredible feat. So you have these transparent blockchains, and that's one of the amazing thing about blockchains is they are completely transparent. You can see everything that's happened. Uh, so nobody can do anything under the rug and all that stuff. But um, the problem is, is it can blow out and completely dox somebody's identity in a way. Um, yeah, so it doesn't say somebody's anonymous. It says somebody's pseudonymous or pseudonymous or whatever. So um, somebody can track a blockchain address. And if somehow that blockchain address gets tied back to you, then somebody will be able to track every single transaction you did. But not so the case with zero knowledge proofs. The use of zero knowledge proofs across a decentralized public network where value transferred is a groundbreaking advancement. The ability to completely anonymize network transactions over a public network is an incredible feat that should not be overlooked. Another prominent application of the technology is in authentication systems. Um, a zero knowledge proof of knowledge can be used to prove secret information like a password without re actually revealing the password. Uh, zero knowledge proofs are typically too cumbersome for usefulness with just passwords, but eventually this could provide very useful for protecting user passwords across the internet. Zero knowledge proofs can also be applied in identity verification. For simplicity, to access a high security facility, you would need either a PIN number or authenticated identity card to gain access through a door. The authenticating component of the door represents a security hole as it could potentially be manipulated to learn the access pin. Using a zero knowledge proof, the component can contain a number in without its factorization. Authorized users would be given the solution to this particular problem instance. Then they can prove to the authenticating component that they know the solution without actually entering anything specific to the solution into the authenticating component. Um, therefore, manipulating the authenticating component to find the pin will not work since it does not actually store the pin, a.k.a. the solution. So here's how zero knowledge proofs work. Um, it has this little thing here. Uh, there's if you do a search on the, the Alibaba's cave, uh, this there's a paper titled How to Explain Zero Knowledge Proofs to Your Children by Jean-Jacques Kiscate, I guess is how you pronounce it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it talks about the Alibaba, Alibaba's cave. Um, you know about the, the the shopkeeper chasing this thief into a cave, and the thief can always somehow escape. And there's they discover that there's some kind of trap door in the back, right? So, a zero knowledge proof is where a prover, Alice, can prove that she knows. Uh, some information called X, I guess, to a verifier, Bob, without communicating any other information to Bob other than the fact that she knows X. So by definition, a zero knowledge proof must satisfy the following three properties, completeness, soundness, and zero knowledgeness. So completeness is a high probabilistic chance that Alice is telling the truth. Bob will eventually be convinced that she's telling the truth. Soundness is the fact that Alice can only convince Bob if she is telling the truth. And zero knowledge is that Bob doesn't learn anything about what Alice knows. She just knows that she knows the, the answer. You know, he know he knows that she knows what the solution is. <laughs> so the complexity of zero knowledge proofs results in them typically being described with abstract examples like uh, the the Alibaba's cave, the two balls, and the colorblind friend, the telecom giant. All right. So <clears throat> okay. So.
Uh, here's the example with Alice and Bob. Alice discovers a secret, secret phrase to open a secret door in a strange cave. The cave is shaped like a ring with a secret door blocking the paths connecting at the end. Bob wants to know the secret word, but Alice, she ain't going to tell him. Uh, to solve the situation, they label the two pathways A and B. All right, so um, Alice takes a path while Bob waits outside and cannot see which path she chooses. Because Alice has the secret phrase to the door, she can return on either path. Um, easily returning on the path that Bob shouts out. So he's at the door looking at her go in this cave. And um, he's like uh, shouting on which path he wants her to return on, A or B. And and so it's not up to Alice, it's up to Bob. Um, so um, she is easily returning on whatever path that he shouts out because the cave is not that deep and she can hear him from the entrance. Um, but he can't see where she goes. She also does not need to reveal the secret phrase in order to do so. Now, if Alice does not know the secret word, uh, she will have a 50% chance of returning on the desired path. However, over continuous attempts, the odds of her being able to anticipate Bob's request would be negligent. So um, if Alice doesn't know the secret path, uh, she won't be returning back on the right path 50% of the time. Uh, but if she does know the secret path to get through the trap door at the other side of the cave, then she will always come back on the right path. And then the more times she does it, then you know um, the odds of her being able to anticipate Bob's request would be negligent. Negligent. She will always be returning back on the right path, and then he will know that uh, you know she knows the secret code. Uh, so since she has a secret phrase, her ability to return on the secret path, the desired secret path, consistently does demonstrate to Bob with extremely high probability that she knows the secret phrase. To observe third-party observers, they cannot see Alice in the cave due to its shape, so they would only see Alice return on the correct path. This effectively makes the whole interaction between Alice and Bob anonymous. Zero knowledge proofs will continue to be applied wherever they are useful and they continue to develop. Okay. So anyway, zero knowledge proofs rightly take their place as one of the most complicated and unique technologies used in blockchain networks. Their implications are forward thinking and even attract the admiration of Google's co-founder, Sergey Brin. All right, great. Uh, anyway, um, so that's that. Um, let's see how much time I got here. Oh man, I'm at the rate 30 minutes and I still hadn't got into the the uh the uh um trusted setup that i wanted to talk about anyway i think tomorrow i will talk specifically about the trusted setup now that i've kind of laid the foundation on it so the trusted setup is really what makes what differentiates between zk snarks and zk starks because um in order to get something off the ground and rolling and be able to use ZK snarks, they have to do what's called a trusted setup ceremony at the beginning to kind of as, to establish the groundwork, to lay the foundation of, okay, this is what we're going to go by. Uh, and this is, you know, what, what security is. Uh, actually, I will talk about this and give me 10 minutes. So um, uh, there's a really good article. Okay. So, Oh, let me find it. Okay, so the trusted setup. Okay, so the the trusted setup is a so you have to go back to Zcash. All right, um, the trusted setup is a vital part of what makes Zcash work. Zcash Zcash was the original 
Snark, right? Zcash is the, is the first coin to use a simplified implementation of a new cryptographic proof called ZK Snarks. Uh, these snarks are the engine that can quickly and efficiently verify a transaction and add it to the blockchain without revealing any details to the public. The tricky thing about these snarks is that, like many algorithms, they need to have a one-time setup. And the reason this setup is called the trustless setup is because you have to trust that whoever generated those keys destroyed them when they were done. So they have, uh, so there's all types of things like fraud proofs and trusted setups and things like that that happen in the in ZK snarks. Uh, in order to establish security, and like for instance, to go back to the cave analogy where Alice and Bob and Alice was constantly going through that trap door, she knows this, the key. And in order to set up that key to that back trap door, somebody had to set that up and they would have the original keys. Well, it takes somebody to destroy those keys in order to be able to get the, the whole program into motion, right? Um, and so they have this ceremony to, to just destroy the original keys that set up that trap door in the back that Alice now knows the password to get back in and out, all right? So that's kind of like the trusted setup. So. Um, the initial parameter generation for the ZK snarks creates the keys that are used to create the proof for private transactions, just like the original person who installed that door at the back of the cave knows that information. All right. So we have to figure out a way to delete that original information. Uh, so the original ge parameter generation for ZK snarks creates the keys that are used to create proofs for private transactions and to verify those proofs. Those keys are the single way for transactions to be proven as good and not forgeries on the global encrypted blockchain. When the first keys, when the keys are first created, there's a hidden parameter that links the two keys. It is the secrets used to generate these keys that if not destroyed could be used to forge transactions uh, by false verification, thereby giving that person to create unlimited Zcash undetected. So if the person that created that door in the back of the cave does not destroy the secrets of how that person created that door, then anybody else can come in and create a billion of those caves with those doors and they can create, you know, false caves and say that cave is the key to creating new money, you know, right? So um, if, if those original keys are not destroyed, anybody could create unlimited money. Uh, all right. So in duplicate transactions and all types of bad stuff and something like this happened with Bitcoin quite a long time ago, uh, but uh, it, Bitcoin is not um, uh, immune to this, you know? So that's 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 why. Um, ZK Starks, to get back to that, does not have this required trusted setup ceremony of destroying the original information that was used to set it all up. Um, so yeah, man, that's basically, the, in a nutshell, the key difference between ZK Snarks and ZK Starks. And um, yeah, and that's, I, I mean, I, 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 it started with me just reading about Cairo and the Cairo programming smart contracting language um, used for ZK Starks versus Solidity used in ZK Starks. And then I started getting, they said, well, ZK Starks is for, you know, I was like, well, why does that have to use a whole other, you know, um, smart contract language? Well, then I started getting into the difference between ZK Snarks and ZK Starks. And ZK Starks does not have the need for a trusted setup 
Um, you know, and I was like, well, why, what is this trusted setup? And then it takes me back to ZK, Zcash, you know, back in like 2016. Um, but anyway, yeah, zero knowledge protocols act very roughly in three steps. This is the setup, the proof, uh, the proof, the proof, and then the verification. Um, the setup needs to be carried out once after this setup phase is complete. Two and three can usually be repeated indefinitely using the output of the setup. The difference between those trusted setup and untrusted setup protocols, which would be Starks, um, lies in step one. This first setup step, the prover and the verifier agree on some common public parameters, which they will need to carry out their computations. Agreeing on parameters usually means that another party imposes this set of parameters. So that, yeah, another party, meaning the person that installed the door at the back of the cave, you know? Uh, so, yeah, and they, they use a, a very concrete example, Schnorr protocol, and, uh, you know, with all these uh, funny numbers and letters representing numbers. I don't know. So, yeah, I had to go to some more layman's language articles that I could understand a little better than that. But, uh, yeah, so you, you kind of get the idea, I hope, from this. Um, so the difference between ZK Snarks and ZK Starks is the ability um, of Starks to not have to use that trusted setup first and the trusted setup ceremony. I mean, ZK Cash went so far as to do like uh, total ceremonies for it, like burning computers and, you know, um, they call it toxic waste. So while the, it says here, while the inner workings of ZK Snarks are probably understood by about as many people as truly understand quantum physics, in the most basic sense, generating public snark parameters is akin to creating a public-private key key pair, where the public key is retained, but the private key is destroyed. So another thing, ZK snarks will probably be uh, vulnerable to quantum computing hacks. ZK starks are not, because there's no initial setup. There's no what they call toxic waste residue that uh, somebody could, with quantum computing, put those pieces together. Um, the private key must be destroyed because if anyone had possession of it, they could use it to create as much counterfeit Zcash as they like or whatever. There's nothing else they could do with it, like steal someone else's coins or violate their privacy. But I think the ability to create millions or even billions of dollars worth of Zcash is quite dangerous enough. Um, or pull out Zcash and put in whatever cryptocurrency that uses um, snarks that you that you want. And in this case, it would be, you know, the roll-ups. Um, so Zcash, Zcash developers have called this private key the toxic waste, the original private key that created the entire framework. The ceremony was designed to ensure that the toxic waste is not only destroyed, but that it never even comes into existence. Zuko Wilcox, the creator of Zcash, is very clear in noting that the destruction of the toxic waste doesn't make it impossible to counterfeit Zcash. Although they are working on a solution to the problem, the sapling hard fork that is scheduled to occur in September 2018, <laughs> uh, even Bitcoin faced the counterfeiting problem. Back in 2010, this is what I was talking about. A transaction took advantage of a flaw in Bitcoin to create code more than 180 uh, to create more than 184 billion counterfeit Bitcoin. The transaction was quickly noticed, and the Bitcoin was forked to remove the transaction and the code flaw. But nothing says that Zcash might not have similar flaws unrelated to the toxic waste private key. So. Any Bitcoiner that sits there and criticizes Ethereum, um, resulting in Ethereum Classic versus Ethereum and the DAO hack, uh, does not look in the mirror at what happened uh, back in 2010 because Bitcoin had a similar situation happen with them getting. Um, so Bitcoin maxis, you know, Bitcoin has been just as vulnerable to a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, so.
Interesting stuff. So this, this article is good, too, where they talk about the ceremony and uh, getting rid of all the evidence, the air gaps, which is, you know, uh, any machine that is not connected to a network, um, all these ways that they are that, that they created in order to get rid of the original creation, the setup um, and the toxic waste that came from that initial setup um, and that ZK snarks rely on a setup. ZK Starks does not rely on an initial setup and it can get, it can get straight to the zero knowledge proofs. All right. So anyway, I've rambled on long enough and I hope I you kind of get that, or at least you can read the articles that I was talking about and kind of get to understanding. But this all came back from this original thread of me trying to understand why uh, Cairo is unique uh, from Solidity, uh, the, both the scripting languages. Cairo is the scripting language for Starks. Solidity is the scripting language for ZK Snarks and all of Ethereum. Yeah, so, yeah, and the Ethereum virtual machine. Solidity is the OG. It's probably, you know, honestly better to learn Solidity first and then jump into something like Cairo. Cairo is definitely not a noob language. Um, all right. Well, that being said, I am going to. Uh, uh, call it a day and uh, it's frozen out today. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to have to drive to work or not, but um, it is what it is. This has uh, been an interesting episode getting super, super technical. And I do that sometimes. Uh, and I wanted to get a little technical after talking about some more macro stuff the past few days. And then yesterday I went on some total conspiracy documentary type of uh, angle. And today I just got real technical. I like to get technical. I like programming languages. I like being a nerd, you know, nerd. All right, man. Well, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1, that's E-U-R-E-K-A, John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, please feel free to send it to eurekajohn.crypto or eurekajohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich. Yet. Thanks again.